Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. We started a series several weeks ago. We're going to conclude this series today. Uh, it's called And. We've been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, so we say the Holy Spirit and. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit and prayer, how the Holy Spirit helps us pray. We talked about the Holy Spirit and evangelism, how he helps us share Jesus with others. We talked about the Holy Spirit and water baptism, what the Holy Spirit does when we ask Jesus to forgive our sins and come into our lives. And so this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and empowerment. Now, how many of you guys have ever had a job where your boss gave you a job to do but didn't give you the stuff you needed to do it? You ever been there? Or they didn't give you the authority to do it? It's irritating, isn't it? Or you ever had your spouse give you a recipe and say, hey, we're going to make this, and then you don't have some of the stuff? You say, well, I can't make it without this, you know, and you have to go to the store and get it. One of my favorite jokes, I apologize if you remember this one. I've probably told it a couple of times. But there was a guy driving down the side of the road in the desert. He was in Arizona, and he was driving a box truck, and he saw a refrigerated truck pulled over on the side of the road, and the driver was waving his arms. And so he pulled over and said, hey, do you need some help? He said, yes, my truck broke down, and I got a load of penguins in the back. And if they get too hot, they're going to die. I needed somebody to take them to the zoo in Phoenix. And he said, well, I, I got some space. I could probably do that. He said, I'll give you 500 bucks to take him to the zoo in Phoenix. He said, all right, cool. So they load all the penguins up into the back of his truck, and he takes off. Well, a couple hours later, the driver gets his truck fixed, and he drives into Phoenix, and he sees the guy walking across the road with all the little penguins walking behind him. And he pulled over and said, hey, I thought I told you to take these guys to the zoo. And he said, well, I did, but I had money left over, so we went to see a movie. So the wrong kind of empowerment, right? Well, I want to talk to, I know it's bad, but it's, for some reason, I just find it so funny. But we're going to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit empowerment. And now we're a, we're a Pentecostal church. And guys, I am Assemblies of God to the core, right? I love the Assemblies of God. I love our missions program. I love our doctrine. I love the way we handle church policy, all those things. But I will admit, as a Pentecostal church, as a Pentecostal denomination, there are some people who've been turned off by Pentecostal people, right? I came into this movement at 16, and it took me a long time to be comfortable with the Pentecostal message because I had seen so many people abuse it. And there have been people who have just used the Holy Spirit as an excuse to be weird. Can we be honest? There are people who just act crazy and they say, well, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, you're just weird. All right. I mean, it's just that way. And there have been a lot of people who have been turned off by that. They are resistant to the Holy Spirit moving in their lives. And so I'm going to break it down really simply today, what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some of you who come from other church backgrounds that don't agree with that. And you know what? It's okay. Can you get to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being empowered? Absolutely. But if you want more of Jesus in your relationship, this is one way to do that. So really simply, when Jesus was getting ready to go up to heaven, he gave the disciples and he gave us a message. He said, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples, right? In Matthew 28, 18, we call it the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples and teaching them to obey everything I've told you and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And then in Acts chapter 1, we're going to read here in just a moment, when he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, 
He gives another message. He said, I've given you the mission. Now wait here until I give you the empowerment to do that. Now, how many of us have ever felt like it is hard to take Jesus to the whole world? Right? It's a big job. It's a big mission. We can't do it on our own. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Now, I know some of us are a little weirded out by the Holy Spirit, right? It's just a little bit like, oh, wow, what is that? Look in Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. If you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your tablet, if you go to that events tab in there, all the notes are there as well. But Acts chapter 1, this is what I was just talking about, right after the Great Commission. Acts chapter 1, in verse 4. It says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the what? Gift that he promised. The gift, as I told you before. John the Baptist baptized with water. The water was a a baptism of repentance, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then if you flip over to the next chapter, chapter 2, in verse 1. It said, on the day of Pentecost, which was a feast that they had, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were eating, where they were sitting. I said eating because, you know, I like to eat. It was sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It is an empowering. Now, I know some of us are a little bit resistant we, because we just haven't been taught a lot about who the Holy Spirit is. But here's the thing, guys. There are at least five major encounters people have with the Holy Spirit in their Christian walk. In your life as a Christian, you will have about five different major encounters with the Holy Spirit. And most of you in this room have already had at least four of those. What are those? Well, the first one is convicting or convincing. At some point, before we became a Christian, we got convicted. We felt guilty about what we'd done, right? That's what leads us to Jesus. At some point, maybe somebody was talking to you about Jesus, or maybe you were sitting in a church service and a pastor started talking, and you felt that, ugh, right, in your gut, that kind of knife in your gut kind of thing. You're saying, wow, that's me. I've sinned. I need Jesus. You know who that is? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, convicting you. You know, sometimes you're talking to somebody and said, hey, quit trying to convict me. <laughs> you ever had that? You're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm not making you feel guilty. That's the Holy Spirit making you feel guilty, right? He convinces us. That's the Holy Spirit. He is the one who draws us to Jesus. And then there's regenerating or cleansing of sin. So in John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And then regenerating, making us new. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, he says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and evil, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And listen to this. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Holy Spirit on, upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. 
So when we're made new, after we ask Jesus into our lives, who does that? It's the Holy Spirit who makes us new. He regenerates us. You know, when Paul said in 2 Corinthians that we're made new, we're new creatures, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. And then indwelling, number three, he indwells us. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So here's the thing, guys. If we're, if we're Christians, if we've asked Jesus to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us already. He indwells us. He already lives there. He's already in us. So people say, well, I'm being filled with the Spirit. No, you've already been that. When you became a Christian, you became filled with the Spirit. He's already living inside of us. And then there's, so he indwells us. And there's more verses there you can read later. I put a ton of verses in your handout, so that's why they're full, uh, full page this time. Because I want you to take these home and read them. And think about them. And then maturing. As we mature as Christians, you know who is doing that in us? The Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, there's these things called the fruit of the Spirit. It's just the things that come out of our lives because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And if you look at your life today, if you've been a Christian for very long at all, you realize that you're different than when you first started, aren't you? We're all different. We look different. We act different because of the Holy Spirit working in us. And the fruit of the Spirit comes out of us. And guys, this is where a lot of people get turned off to Christians. This is where a lot of people get turned off to Pentecostals. Because we want to be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues and giving interpretations and prophesying. You ever had somebody come up and say, I have a word from God for you? Okay, those are legitimate gifts of the Spirit. But before we do that stuff, the fruit of the Spirit should be more evident in our lives. Because how many of you know, and this is one of my pet peeves, I apologize. I know I talk about this a lot. But if I come up and tell somebody, hey, God gave me a word for you. And maybe he did legitimately. Are they going to listen to me if I'm a jerk the rest of the time? No. Are they going to listen to me if I treat waiters and waitresses bad at the restaurant or the cashier at Walmart? Or if I'm screaming at them in the parking lot because they took a parking space I want? No, they're not going to listen to me. Because the fruit of the Spirit needs to be evident first. They need to see that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are maturing me. And it's funny because as we're Christians, as we live in this relationship with Jesus... He starts poking at things in our lives, doesn't he? He says, hey, you need to get rid of this. I've talked to people before who gave their life to Jesus, and a couple months later they said, you know, I don't, I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. I want to give that up. And I said, why is that? And they said, I don't know. The Holy Spirit just kind of telling me I need to quit doing that. Awesome. That's the Holy Spirit doing that, right? I know when I became a Christian, music has been a huge part of my life. I love listening to music. I know a lot of you do. I listened to some music I shouldn't have. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was really into the whole rock scene, man. I mean, I was really into it. And so as I became a Christian more, the Holy Spirit started telling me, you need to quit listening to this music. You probably shouldn't listen to this band anymore. That was just him doing that. Nobody called me. And my pastor didn't come say, you know, you probably shouldn't be listening to that song anymore. No, the Holy Spirit did that. And he does that in us. That's how we mature and we grow in Jesus. We have this big church word Pastor Kenny talked about a couple weeks ago called sanctification. It's like a $5 word that basically means becoming more like Jesus. And that's what we do as we grow. That's the Holy Spirit doing that in us, right? And then the last one. So most of us have had one, two, three, and four already. Number five is empowering. And that's basically, that's just Jesus giving us more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, covering us with his power to do the work. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not so you can pray in tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not 
so that we can have a more exciting church service than Methodists or anything like that. I'm not saying we do. That's just some people think that, right? It's because he wants us to be able to go out and do what? Share him with the world, right? And that's why some people come to a Pentecostal church and they say, you know, you guys sing some weird songs. <laughs> you guys act weird. And literally, the reason people come to our church for the Lenten lunches is because they want to see if we're crazy. Because they've heard we are. And I'm probably part of that reason. They're like, that pastor's weird, you know. And so they come here to see if we're crazy. And so that's why, guys, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and share him. It's not for any other reason. I mean, there are other reasons, but the main reason is to share them. So let's just talk a little bit about this. What is it? What is the empowering of the Holy Spirit? We read that earlier. In Acts 1, 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say when he comes in you because he's already there. When he comes upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2, the next chapter. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, guys, this is what Jesus is saying. You will be my witness, and you will go tell people about me, and I will give you the power to do it. And he tells you three different places. Jerusalem. Who is in Jerusalem? Jews, who are just like them, right? You're going to tell people about me who are like you. He said, then you're going to go into Judea, people a little less like you. Then you're going to go to Samaria, to people you really don't like, into the outer parts of the world. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you power to tell everybody about me. So let's get into this a little bit today. What is spirit baptism? What is it to be baptized? When you say spirit baptism, what does that mean? Spirit baptism is an encounter different and separate from salvation. It's different and separate from salvation. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you already have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He comes in and he lives in us. He says we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's an empowerment. It empowers us with a greater anointing to minister to others. It's an encounter different and separate. So you can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can't be empowered by the Holy Spirit until you already know Jesus, right? So it's a different encounter from that. Now, what is it? Spirit baptism was a normative experience after salvation in the early church. What does that mean, normative? It means it was the normal order of things. That's just normally what happened in the early days of the church. And so there's different spots here. And again, I'll let you read some of these at home. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we see the disciples in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what happened? The very next thing, Peter walked out and he preached to a crowd and 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus, or 5,000. Gave their hearts to Jesus just like that. It was an empowerment to share, right? This is the same Peter who a couple weeks before wouldn't even tell a servant girl that he knew Jesus. Same Peter, different outcome. In Acts chapter 8, the converts in Samaria, we see that they went and they preached to people in Samaria. And Samaria were people who the Jews didn't like and they didn't like Jews, but they went there and they shared Jesus with them. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who was later become Paul, was baptized in the Holy Spirit when he gave his heart to Jesus. And then Gentiles in Caesarea, people who weren't even Jews, Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 19, converts in Ephesus. So we see this was just the normal thing. This is what happened. Because people wanted more of Jesus. So it was normal. And then Jesus said the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us would cover us in his power. That's what baptized means. It just means covered, clothed. So if I had a pitcher of water here and I was going to do this and I totally forgot about it. 
But if I had a pitcher of water in a cup and I took some water from the pitcher and poured it into the cup, right? The cup has water in it. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we ask Jesus to come into our lives, right? When I ask Jesus for forgiveness, he pours the Holy Spirit into us. But then if I took that cup and I set it inside the pitcher, it would be what? Covered in water, right? Surrounded by water. That's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit does. That's what when we ask him to come into our lives and fill us with his power, it's an empowering. He surrounds us with his power. Do we look different? No. Do we talk different? No, we're still the same person, right? I'm still the same. But he gives me power to go and share him. So I remember, guys, when I was 16, I started going to church. It's a long story. If you want to hear it, I'll tell you. But I went and I gave my life to Jesus. And then I had grown up in another denomination. And so the first couple of times I was at a Pentecostal church were not a good experience for me. I almost left, but I didn't have a ride, so I couldn't. But I was terrified. I said, what is going on? I heard people speaking other languages I didn't understand. And they were doing Jericho marches around the building. And I was like, you know, in Jericho, the walls fell down. I don't think I want that to happen here. You know, I went out. And it was just, it was different for me. But I went and I started talking to people. And they said, you know, it's just, it's, it's empowering. And I was a really nervous person. I still am. I'm not, I'm not a big extrovert. I don't talk in groups a whole lot. It's funny that God told me to do this for a living. But I'm just not a real outgoing person. I'm usually kind of the one sitting back and watching what happens. But I started praying. I said, Lord, I just want more of you. I want more. Like, I don't want this just be just a name. I want, to, I want more of your presence in my life. And he baptized me in the Holy Spirit on my own in my bedroom at home. And he started giving me this boldness that I'd never had before. And so I, le- I went that summer. I graduated high school. And I went to the Olympics in Athens, Georgia on a missions trip. They had no idea. They didn't tell me anything that was going to happen. They said, come to the Olympics with us. We're going to go on a mission trip. I was like, cool. That sounds great. What they didn't tell us, they drug us downtown to beer gardens full of people and said, all right, go start telling people about Jesus. What? (laughs) They said, go in groups and tell people about Jesus. So so we found a drunk guy and said, hey, can we talk to you? Absolutely. You know, and so we started talking to him and we said, this is not going anywhere because he has no idea what we're talking about. So we had this idea, let's just pray for him to, to be sober. And so we did. We prayed just, Lord, we said, can we pray for you? Absolutely. So I said, Lord, would you take away the drunkenness so we can talk to him? And he got sober just like that. He was really upset because he paid a lot for the beer to get to that point. And he said, what did you do to me? We said, I don't know, we just prayed for you. And so I said, I think I need this Jesus. Yeah, you do. You know, and so we were able to just share Jesus. That was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because I would never have done that before. It really wasn't a great idea. Like, you don't normally pray for that. People get real upset. My youth pastor said, you did what? I don't know. I just prayed for him. He said, don't do that again. Um, So, unless an adult's with you. But that's the Holy Spirit just giving us what? Empowerment to do that. So, who can receive the baptism in the Spirit? Who is eligible to receive the Spirit baptism? It's promised to everybody who follows Jesus. The Spirit baptism is promised to everybody. Because it says What? Wait here. He will give it to you. So I love this story in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Kind of a long story, but Peter, the apostle Peter, who was a Jew, who preached to only Jews, the Lord sent an angel and said, hey, go to this guy's house on this street. So he went, kind of a long story, he got there. The people inside the house were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. And so he just started telling them about Jesus, and they said, we want to receive this Jesus. And they did. 
They asked Jesus to forgive their sins and they became Christians. And right after that, the Holy Spirit came on them and he heard them speaking in other languages. And so it was kind of a neat story. But then uh, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And he said to them, the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And he said, each of us must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So Peter said, everybody can receive this. But here's the thing, guys. Spirit baptism is a gift. It's a gift to receive, not a badge to earn. It is a gift. It's just something that God gives us. It's not something we can do enough cartwheels or do enough Hail Marys or do enough good deeds to get it. It's just a gift, not something that we earn. It's not a spiritual merit badge. Sometimes we, we kind of have that idea. So anyone can receive the baptism of the Spirit. So how are we sure that we have it then? If we said that we don't change on the outside, how do we know we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, all throughout the book of Acts and even in the New Testament, we see one normal sign. When people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they've been empowered. There's one consistent sign. It's an outward sign of the inward change, and it's praying in another language. What we call tongues, because we don't have another word for it. It's, it's just a different language. In Acts 2, 4, it said, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And there's a couple other passages there where it says that. This was just the normal thing. So there's one consistent sign, and that's speaking in another language. Now, not speaking it, but praying in it. It's a prayer language, right? And so speaking in other languages or tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism. What does that mean, initial? It means first, right? That's how we know because the baptism of the Spirit is an inward change. So this is the initial outward sign of it. Now, is that the only thing that the Holy Spirit does when we're baptized in the Spirit? No. He empowers us. He gives us boldness to share Jesus more. It's more of a relationship with them. And then we see there are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives and uses us in once we're baptized in the Spirit. But so the initial, the first thing is praying in another language. Now, Sometimes, I love this, and I told you that, sometimes I think we focus too much on this and not on the others. There are people who are terrified, said, I don't want to mess up. What do I do? How do I do this? It just comes naturally. You just seek him. You don't seek the language or the tongues, right? And so, but why is that? Why is it, we've always said, why does Jesus do this? Why is it speaking another language that we don't understand? Why is that the initial evidence? I've got a couple ideas some guys have said over the years that I've kind of collected. One of us, a lot of us surrender, we struggle surrendering our language to Jesus. We have a really hard time controlling our mouth, right? Anybody else there? I'm going to be really honest with you. I am a very sarcastic person. Like, it's just a gift I have, right? I'm really good at being sarcastic. And I have to really watch that because I can be really mean with it sometimes without meaning it. My tongue, my mouth is one of my biggest things that's all control all the time. That's why sometimes people are saying, Pastor, you're really quiet. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to say something. <laughs> I'm really, so sometimes it's just better for me not to say anything. Because it, it just, I, sometimes I keep my mouth closed. I think it even comes out my ear hole sometimes. Like, I'm like, I didn't even say that. How did that come out? So some of us struggle with that. And so when Jesus gives us another prayer language, it's surrendering ourselves to him. Our speech is our main communication to people. And in James chapter 3, he gives this whole long speech about how it's really hard to control our tongues. And so when we control, when we turn over control of our mouths to the Lord, that's one of the ways he does that. So, 
But one of the things we have to understand is prayer language is different than the gift of tongues and interpretation. We see in Acts 12, there's different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. This is different from that. Okay? This is not that. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So this is one of the things that happens when we say, Lord, I want more of you. I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to be empowered with your Spirit to share you with others. One of the first signs that we've been baptized in the Spirit is this, we start praying in another language that we don't understand. And so how do we receive it? Lastly, how do we do it? If you say, you know, I really just want more of Jesus. How do I get that? Well, we have to understand it's a free gift. And this was really, really hard for me because it took me a long time to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It took me a long time because I'm a very controlled person. That's why I drive all the time. I don't like other people driving because I want to be in control. It's an issue I have. I'm working on it. That's why I ride motorcycle because nobody else can drive. It's like just me, Right? But I had a really hard time turning over control because I said, Lord, I don't ever want to be out of control. This is why I never even drank alcohol. Even before I was a Christian, my friends would go get hammered. I said, I'm not doing that. I don't want to lose control of myself. I want to know exactly what I'm doing. I want to remember it the next day. So, anyway. <laughs> about went down a rabbit trail there. But we have to understand that it's a free gift. It's not something we earn. And so it, it really frustrated me that I didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when my other friends did. It took me a while because God had to work through some issues in me before I was ready. And that time and that prayer gave that. And then in the book of Acts, we see a pattern. The accounts in Acts give us a pattern on how to receive this. Basically, you get close to Jesus in prayer. You spend time with him in prayer. And you said, Lord, I want more of you. And we're not seeking the praying in tongues. We're not seeking the spiritual gifts. We're just seeking more of Jesus. That's it. You just get up and pray and say, Lord, would you just give me more of you? Would you fill me with your spirit? And when you feel that, that prayer language coming out, just pray in it. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to scream. You don't have to run. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just spend time in his presence and we surrender. That's the biggest thing, guys, is just surrendering. Lord, I want more of you and I just give you control of my life. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And so, and I know, guys, I know some of you are not there. Some of you are saying, I don't really want this. I'm happy where I'm at. That's totally fine. But some of you are saying, you know, I'm really curious about this. I want, I want more in my encounter with Jesus. I want to be empowered. I want to be able to tell more people about him. Then all you have to do is just start praying. And if you're curious about this, I put a whole ton of notes in here. That's why I gave you a two-sided, full-page thing. Go home and start reading some of this stuff. Spend time in his presence. Say, Lord, I want more of you. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you're physically able, if you're at home. You want to stand with us? Watching online. And I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and say, you know, I just really want more of him. And I want to pray for this. You can come up to the front. People just come lay a hand on our shoulder. If you're not ready, that is totally fine. I encourage you to spend some time at home praying about it, talking to the Lord about it. If you have a need, I'm going to invite you to come up as well. Somebody come up, lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. But Lord, right now I, I thank you that you love us so much. And I thank you that you love everybody in the world so much you want everyone to know about you. And that's why you empower us with the Holy Spirit to go out and share you with the world. 
so I pray for any of those here today who are kind of on the line. They're just not sure about this whole baptism of the Spirit thing. Lord, would you speak to us? And Lord, I pray for those who are hungry for more of you, that you would fill them. Whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, Lord, would you just fill them with more of your power and do them with power. Lord, there's some of us here who have been hurt by others. Maybe using the Holy Spirit as an excuse. So would you help us to get past that as well? Lord, if there's some of us here who have family or friends who aren't in a relationship with you, Lord, would you speak to them as well? And Lord, if there are any of us in this room here today or watching online who don't have a relationship with you, would you help us to seek those out as well? So we're going to close here with the song. And if you want to pray just for more of Jesus in your life, you can come up to the front and pray. If you want to pray for the baptism of the Spirit, you can come up here and pray. If you have a need, you can come pray. You can stay in your seat. I just encourage you to pray with us this morning.